And we welcome you back into Priority Talk Radio. Greg Davis here with you. And uh, we are always excited to visit with Mr. Lee Strobel, the New York Times bestselling author many times over. And uh, his latest book is God Real, Exploring the Ultimate Question of Life. And uh, Lee, you've been on the show with us many times over the years. It's always an honor, my friend. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. It's great to be with you. Love uh, coming to Alabama and uh, speaking to your audience. Great folks. Well, wonderful. And speaking of that, you will be in Alabama this upcoming weekend, March 2nd uh, and 3rd. And there's uh, several opportunities for people to, uh, to interact with you, including a breakfast time and then an evening and then a worship time on Sunday at Mountain Brook Presbyterian Church. And so lots of good information on that at uh, the Mountain Brook Presbyterian Church USA.org website. And we'll post all of that in our show notes for folks that would like to get out and see you in person this weekend. And uh, always an honor. Well, let's talk about your new book, Is God Real? Now, uh, you know, you've written on a lot of these big topics, uh, you know, faith and miracles, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, Had you ever had you not written a book on the existence of God before this? Well, you know, I touched on it in my other books. Sure. For instance, The Case for Christ deals a lot with the historical evidence for Jesus having claimed to be the Son of God and proving it by the resurrection, uh, and the reliability of the New Testament and so forth. And The Case of Creator looks at uh, scientific evidence. But what happened is my publisher actually came to me and said, we discovered something unusual. We discovered that 200 times a second around the clock, Someone on the planet is typing into a computer search engine, basically the question, is God real? Hmm. And I thought, well, why don't we put all this in one place? So I'll draw on some of my previous stuff, I'll add new interviews and new material, and we'll just create kind of a one-stop shop for people who are interested in this, what is really the ultimate question of life. So I guess it's fair to say, and I know there's lots of different polls on it, that less people claim to now believe in God than years past. Yeah. Do you think that's anecdotal? Do you think it's all how the questions ask, or it's not in vogue to believe in God? Or do you think, I guess people really are struggling with that question. They are. Uh, back in 1967, back when I was a freshman in high school, um, 98% of American adults said they believe in God. Now, today, the numbers cut, uh, dropped to 81%. That's a huge drop in a relatively short amount of time. It's the lowest ever in American history, at least during polling that's been done on the topic. So I think there is an increased skepticism among a lot of people. I think it's driven by the Internet and a lot of crazy stuff that comes across the Internet that people tend to believe. And, um, uh, you know, an increasingly self-centered culture where we want to be God, we're not interested in, in some other God telling us how to live and so forth. Um, and yet, even though there's a there are few people who believe in God, um, there's a lot of people who are spiritually open. Because if you dig deeper into the numbers, what you find is that um, uh, one survey showed that uh, three out of four American adults say they want to grow spiritually. And nearly half of American adults say they're more open to God today than before the pandemic. So, and I was talking to a friend of mine, Shane Pruitt, whose ministry is to travel the country and to speak to young people about God, high school and college audiences. And he said, I've seen more young people come to faith in Christ in the last three years than the previous 18 years of ministry combined. Wow. So there's still a hunger there. There's still an interest there. There's still people, especially in Generation Z, young people, which is a generation rife with depression and anxiety, 
Um, uh, you know, you look at 60% of female students in Generation Z uh, experienced persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness during the last year, and almost a quarter of them made a suicide plan. So, I mean, Generation Z, is, as one friend of mine said, it's flat on its back. Well, the only good thing is when you're flat on your back, you tend to look up. And I think there's a lot of searching going on for God. Well, you certainly do. Lee Strobel is our guest. And uh, now just going back to your, your personal story, which was, of course, yeah. uh, told in, in the movie The Case for Faith. Um, what year did that come out? My goodness. Uh, yeah, Case for Christ came out I'm in sorry. 2017. Yeah, Case for Christ. I'm sorry. Yeah. Case for Faith, of course, is another sure. book. The Case for Christ uh, it told your story. Where were you in your own personal journey with, uh, with the existence of God? Uh, how did well, that play into your conversion? Yeah, I was an atheist for much of my life. My, you know, my background, as you know, is journalism and law. So I tend to be kind of a skeptical person, someone who looks for evidence and facts and logic and reasoning. And I just thought the idea of God was, uh, was kind of ridiculous. Um, but then my wife's uh, conversion to Christianity through a friend uh, um, prompted me to try to rescue her from his cult. And uh, I figured I could do that if I just disproved the resurrection of Jesus. And so I spent two years really studying that and also a lot of other science evidence, philosophy, and so forth, really doing a spiritual investigation to try to get right. an, uh, an answer about the existence of God, the truth of Christianity. And um, finally, I got to the point on November the 8th of 1981 where I realized that in light of the evidence I'd seen, it would take more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. <laughs> it just sort of slipped the scales uh, decisively. Well, that's where I was. Tr- I couldn't remember if you were generally okay with a God but didn't believe in the resurrection, or. but you're saying the whole idea of God sort of seemed uh, out there. Yeah, I, I just thought that God didn't create people, but people created God. Gotcha. Why? Because they're afraid of dying. So they made up this idea of heaven and an afterlife to make themselves feel better about dying. That's what I thought. Yeah. Well, if you haven't seen uh, his story, The Case for Christ, go find the movie. It's out there available widely now. Uh, Let's talk about science and Christianity. You know, uh, nowadays it seems like, uh, you know, you must believe the science um, no matter what. uh, And you go into uh, scientific discoveries over the past, uh, you know, 50 years or so that actually point to a creator. Uh, to talk to us yes. about some of these and why they're so persuasive. Yeah, you know, it's shocking. I did a study that showed that 40% of Americans believe that science disproves Christianity, when really I think the opposite is true, that we've had a series of discoveries over the last 50 years or so in at least three areas of science that make belief in God more rational, more logical uh, today than almost any time in history, unless you were back there and encountered the risen Jesus. But um, uh, so, for instance, cosmology, the origin of the universe, you know, uh, for years and decades and centuries, uh, people believed the universe was eternal. It always existed. But thanks to a series of scientific discoveries about the expansion of the universe, we now know the universe began to exist at some point in the past. Well, that leads to a popular argument for the existence of God that uh, Dr. William Lane Craig has popularized, which says uh, whatever begins to exist as a cause, we know the universe began to exist at some point in the past, therefore the universe must have a cause behind it. 
Well, then you ask, well, what kind of a cause can bring a universe into existence? Well, it must be transcendent or uh, separate from creation. It must be spirit or, or, or uh, immaterial because it existed before the physical world. It must be eternal or timeless because it existed before physical time came into being. It must be powerful given the immensity of the creation event. It must be smart given the precision of the creation event. It must be personal because you had to make the decision to create. Must be creative because my goodness, just look at the universe. Must be loving or caring because he's so carefully crafted a habitat for us to live in. And um, it must be unique or one creator, according to the scientific principle of Occam's Razor, which says you don't you don't manufacture a lot of uh, causes to to explain a result uh, more than you need. So I mean, what have we got there? Transcendent, spirit, eternal, powerful, smart, personal, creative, loving, unique. That's a description of the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, if I were still an atheist today, that's enough to convince me that there's a creator behind the universe. Well, very, very good. Uh, what about the resurrection? People say scientifically, you know, that's not possible. Um, uh, yeah. su- sum- summarize that for us. Obviously, you, that's sure. what, what's what converted you was uh, when you understood the, the resurrection was true. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, four areas, I'll do it really quickly, convinced me. Number one, uh, the execution of Jesus. He was truly dead after being crucified. Even the Journal of the American Medical Association, which is a secular, scientific, peer-reviewed medical journal, carried an investigation into the death of Jesus and said, clearly, the weight of the historical and medical evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Number two, we have early reports of the resurrection that come so quickly after his life that it's not likely there would be a legend that developed over time. In fact, we have a report of the resurrection, including named eyewitnesses and groups of eyewitnesses that's been dated back by scholars to within months of his death. That's like a newsflash of history. Mm-hmm. Third, we have an empty tomb that even the opponents of Jesus admitted was empty. And then fourth, you know, most of what we accept as being true about the ancient world is often based on one source or two sources of information. And yet for the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, we have no fewer than nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the risen Christ. And that is an avalanche of historical data. Yeah, if you had that much evidence for anything else, people would uh, believe it lock, stock, and barrel. They wouldn't think anything of it. Uh, Lee Strobel is our guest. His newest book is uh, Is God Real? Exploring the Ultimate Question of Life. And before we take a break, Lee, just just explain to folks how the book's laid out, because you really, you you talk to some real leading experts. You've mentioned one or two of them already. Uh, Just tell them about the the way the book's, uh, the way you did the book. Well, when I write my books, I'm not the expert. I go out as a journalist and interview the expert, people with PhDs from Cambridge and and, and major universities. And I ask them the tough questions I had when I was a skeptic and that other people are asking and see if they can give answers that make sense. And so the first part of the book, I look at science, I look at the origin of the universe, I look at the fine-tuning of the universe, I look at the information inside DNA and how that all points toward um, a creator. I look at philosophical arguments like the existence of good in the universe and so, and then I look at the, um, um, the evidence of history uh, for the resurrection of Jesus. And I think you put those together, and you've got a really strong case that Christianity is not based on legend, you know, make-believe, wishful thinking, um, uh, you know, fairy tales or, or um, you know, mythology. It's based on a solid foundation of truth. Well, absolutely, and we're going to talk about some more of those 
uh, in our second segment. But let me remind everyone that uh, there'll be a weekend with Lee Strobel coming up this weekend, uh, and that is March 2nd and 3rd. There are opportunities for breakfast with Lee Strobel and then an evening with Lee Strobel and then worship with Lee Strobel. Uh, and uh, the two of those three events are held outside of the church. And, and I love that, Lee, because you guys are kind of going to get out there. and You don't have to come to a church to, to get right. to hear the thinking, right? Right. To be exposed to, uh, to the good uh, arguments and defense of the faith that Lee will make. And so we will post all of that on our show notes, PriorityTalkRadio.com, under show notes. And we'll share with you a link of when and where those events are. There being three of them, it's too much for us just to call out here. But we'll put them there for you. If you'd like to get out and see uh, Lee Strobel in person this weekend, you can do that. All right, let's take a break. Come back on the other side, and we'll continue the conversation with Lee Strobel. Is God real is our topic for the next little bit. Stay with us here on Priority Talk. We continue our conversation with Mr. Lee Strobel. His new book, Is God Real? It is now available and he will be in Birmingham, the Birmingham area, this weekend, uh, March 2nd and 3rd, a weekend with Lee Strobel. There's a breakfast opportunity, an evening opportunity, and then worship with Lee Strobel, and that would be on Sunday morning at Mountain Brook Presbyterian Church. We will post at PriorityTalkRadio.com under our show notes all of the details if you want to get out and be a part of one of the events with Lee Strobel in person. Uh, Lee, always a pleasure to have you with us. Let's continue to talk. In, In the book... Um, there's so much in here, and we've got limited time. Um, you, you mentioned uh, the cosmos and, and a creator, but you go into something pretty interesting uh, talking with uh, Michael Strauss about yes. uh, the, the universe actually needing a fine tuner. I don't know that that's something yes. people, you know, we talk about creation, but take it, yeah. an, take it another step. Yeah, this is absolutely fascinating. Uh, Dr. Michael Strauss is a Ph.D. in physics from UCLA. He's published dozens and dozens of uh, papers in peer-reviewed scientific journals. He's a professor at a major secular university in the Midwest. And um, uh, he talks about how the universe is finely tuned on a razor's edge so that life can exist. In other words, in a way that you can't explain it by saying, oh, it just happened by chance. The odds are too great. Um, It's like this. If you go out on a summer night and you look up at the sky expecting to see stars, but instead you see 50 to 100 giant dials in the sky. And each one of those dials could be calibrated to one of trillions of possible settings. And yet every dial is perfectly calibrated so that life can exist. That is the picture that modern physics gives us of the universe. I'll just give you one example, just one of these dials. It's the ratio of the electromagnetic force to the gravitational force. Now, that sounds fancy, but really all you need to know is it has to be exactly, exactly calibrated Mm -hmm. so that life can exist. How exact? Imagine a billion continents the size of North America, a billion continents the size of North America with dimes piled up 238,000 miles. In other words, the moon. Okay, you got that picture in your got mind? It, got it. A billion continents, dimes piled up to the moon. And let's say you take out one dime and you spray paint it red, and then you mix it among all those other dimes. And you pick one person, you say, you can rummage around these billion, this billion continents and there's 238,000 you know, miles deep of dimes, but you're blindfolded. You can only reach once, and you can only pick out one dime. What are the odds that that would be the dime painted red? One chance in 10,000 trillion, trillion, trillion. It's the same odds that 
um, uh, are the same fine tuning of the electromagnetic force to gravitational force, finely tuned to one part in 10,000 trillion, trillion, trillion. I mean, that's just one of the mm-hmm. dials. And you look at that and you say, you know, how, how can that just happen by chance? And as Dr. Strauss said, because I asked him, I said, could this just be a coincidence? And he said to me, well, you know, we, we physicists have a term for that. I said, what? He said, ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The odds are just too ridiculously astronomical. So this is another confirmation that there is an intelligence behind the creation of the universe. Wow. Wow. Uh, and there's a lot more in that chapter than that example as well. I'll just say yeah. we're, just get, we're just skimming the top. If you're someone who likes that kind of tidbit information, insight, this book is full of them. Uh, Lee Strobel, Is God Real? All right, let's talk about DNA. Um, yeah. You know, we talk about intelligent design, a designer. Uh, DNA is, is probably the, uh, you know, the showcase of a designer, yes. right? That's right. I mean, we have 100 trillion cells in our body. If you open any cell and unwrap the double helix of DNA and stretch it out, it would be six feet tall. And if embedded in that DNA is a four-letter chemical alphabet that spells out the precise assembly instructions for every protein out of which we're made. In other words, this is English uses a 26-letter alphabet to spell out words. DNA uses a four-letter chemical alphabet to spell out all the assembly instructions for all of the proteins out of which we're made. I mean, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. There's more information in every cell in your body than words in 200 years of the Sunday New York Times. Hmm. I mean, where does that come from? There's always an intelligence behind information. You know, nature can produce patterns. Um, we know that. Uh, but it can't produce information. If I, I live in Houston, so if I go down to the beach at Galveston and in the wet sand in an early morning, um, in the wet sand I see ripple marks. It would be logical for me to say, oh, the waves made the ripple marks in the sand because nature can produce patterns like that. But if I'm walking down the beach and in the wet sand I see John loves Mary with a heart around it and an arrow through it, I wouldn't say, oh, the waves created that. Why? Because that's information. And whenever we see information, whether it's a computer code, whether it's a book, whether it's a painting on a cave wall, always there is an intelligence behind it. And this is popularized by a Ph.D. from Cambridge University, Dr. Stephen Meyer. He's written a terrific book called The Return of the God Hypothesis. And I think it's just a powerful argument for the existence of a supernatural creator. Well, the, the DNA explosion of information uh, has, has just really revolutionized many yeah. aspects of, uh, of, of health care and, um, yeah. you know, uh, detective work, crime work, all, ty- all types of things. And so why would it not like also that. inform us when it comes to knowing there's a, a designer, a creator and a designer? Yeah, it's sort of like you know, having a supercomputer in every cell in your body. <laughs> it's it's a, you know, DNA is the most efficient information storage system in the universe. If you took one teaspoon of DNA, pure DNA, you would have enough, inf- enough room in that one teaspoon of DNA to hold all of the information to how to build all of the proteins out of which all the 1,000 million species of organisms that have ever existed and have room left over for all of the information in every book ever written in one teaspoon of DNA. It's absolutely mind-blowing. And again, this is not just complexity. It's information. It it, it spells out um, an an independent reality, which is the uh, assembly instructions for the proteins out of which our bodies are made. 
Absolutely. Uh, we, met, we, we touched on um, the resurrection. You write a chapter yeah. on that here as well. And then, then a, a chapter that caught my, my eye because we just lost uh, someone who became very well known for this term, uh, Henry Blackaby. Uh, you've got a chapter yeah. here called Experiencing God. Speak to us about yeah. it. Yeah, this is fascinating. You know, some people have a direct experience of God that brings them to faith. In fact, I did a study that showed that 38% of American adults have had one experience in their life that they can only attribute to God. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty surprisingly high percentage. But I talk in the chapter about how people, um, you, know, you know, I'll give you a good example, Evil Knievel. Remember Evil Knievel, sure. the motorcycle daredevil rider yeah. who uh, um, was a world-famous celebrity. He was a drunk, and he was a, um, a, you know, a womanizer, and he was a gambler, and you know, kind of a immoral living guy. And he was on the beach in Florida in his later years, and he had an experience where God literally spoke to him. He, he said, I didn't hear it through my ears. I, I heard it inside of me. God said, Robert, which is his real name, Robert, I've saved you more times than you'll ever know. Now you need to come to me through my son, Jesus. Mm. And it just, it just blew his mind. Well, where did this come from? And he didn't even know who Jesus was, so he called the only Christian he knows, uh, Frank Gifford, who was a, a late sportscaster, sure. and said, Frank, I know you're a Christian. Who's Jesus? And Frank said, well, get that book, Case for Christ, by Lee Strobel. That'll kind of explain it all. So anyway... Evil gets my book. He, he 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 comes to a radical faith in God. He is absolutely transformed 180 degrees. When he's baptized, he shares his story, and 700 people got out of their seats, came forward to receive Christ and be baptized on the spot. Um, he died about a year later, and on his tombstone, uh, he had the words engraved, believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't know how you explain an experience mm. like that. Um, and we have miracles that, that are well-documented in medical journals. We had um, one not long ago, a woman who was blind for 17 years. She read with Braille. She walked with a cane. She went to a school for the blind. She married a Baptist pastor. And one night they're getting into bed, and he puts his hand on his shoulder and says, God, I know you can heal her right now. I know you can restore her sight right now, and I pray that you do. And she opens her eyes to perfect eyesight. And it's had perfect eyesight now for 47 years. I mean, this is published in a peer-reviewed medical journal. Wow, man. Uh, what, what do you do with that? This is an experience of God that, that you know, some people have. And, and those of us who don't have an experience like that, we can look at these credible reports of people who do, and I think they encourage us. I think they point us toward the reality of God. Well, they certainly do, and you wrote an entire book, The Case for Miracles, uh, yes. with with stories just like that. I have that book, right. and, um, and it, it uh, really, is, uh, really is compelling. Uh, I've got two yeah. more questions for you. Um, sure. First, you talk, you know, we talk about the existence of God, but, but I guess uh, which God? Uh, yeah. Take a moment yeah. on that. Yeah, you know, um, a friend of mine, Chad Meister, is one of the most famous uh, Christian philosophers in the world. I interviewed him uh, for the book. And he builds, you know, if you picture a pyramid, um, um, he, he builds what he calls the apologetics pyramid. In other words, the evidence for God, starting at a broad base like of a pyramid, of the question of what is truth? Well, truth is whatever corresponds to reality. And then the next stage up, is the different there's only three possible worldviews theism that god exists polytheism many gods exist or atheism no god exists and then we look at those from the area from the perspective of logic and livability and show that only theism makes sense then we go up the next slice to theism 
um, and look at uh, why we believe uh, there is a God. Then we look at Revelation, which is, uh, can I trust the New Testament? Can I trust what the Bible tells me? And then we look at resurrection. We look at the evidence that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and backs it up by returning from the dead. And then finally, we look at the gospel. And I think this forms in a really interesting uh, way of processing the data and looking at the truth of the Christian faith. That is uh, really a, a, a wonderful part of the book, the apologetics pyramid, and certainly yeah. worth getting the book just to kind of walk yourself through that because it, yeah. it will, it will um, change the way that you, uh, that you see this topic. All right, finally, uh, you know, we covered your story briefly uh, earlier, yeah. you, you being an atheist and then studying the resurrection, and now you've written multiple books and study guides and uh, DVD, you know, video series um, on all of these subjects. But um, do you still wrestle with doubting God sometimes? Well, you know, doubt's a strong word. I don't ever doubt in this in the sense that it challenges my faith strongly. But mm-hmm. I have questions. I have. I think it's logical that, that all of us would have questions. And I think someday in heaven, you know, I'm going to raise my hand and say, hey, Jesus, you know, explain to me, how does this Calvinism and Arminianism work together? <laughs> I mean, how does that fit, you know? I mean, we're all going to have some questions, and that's okay. I'm not afraid of our questions. Um, nothing really challenges my faith, though, because, you know, I'm a journalist, I'm trained in law, and so when I encounter a tough question, I just do the research, and I get on the phone with you know the world's leading expert on that topic, and I say, "Hey, explain this to me." Um, so I think I, I'm kind of blessed by having this background in journalism that equipped me to seek out answers, and um, I, I hope readers enjoy that when I share those answers in my books. Well, I think they certainly do, and have many times over uh, with your. Uh great writings from the case for christ the case for faith the case for miracles and so forth and now this book is god real it's exploring the ultimate question of life with mr lee strobel and uh, he'll be in birmingham area uh, this weekend march 2nd and 3rd uh and lee what will you be uh, talking about at breakfast and evening and then worship kind of give us uh, just a, a quick overview yeah, I'm going to be talking at the breakfast on Is God Real? And uh, talk about the new book and what is the evidence? How can we be confident? So it's good for Christians to deepen their faith, but also bring a spiritually curious friend or a skeptical friend and, and let them wrestle with the evidence as well. Then the evening, I'm going to do a little talk on uh, how God transforms people. And uh, he did in my life, he's done in your life and many others. A brief talk on that. And then we're going to do kind of a Q&A with me and Madison Roberts, who's the pastor of the church. And um, um, who knows what subjects we'll get into then. And then Sunday at 1030 at the worship service, I'm going to be talking about the case for Christ, which is um, my story of going from atheism to faith and the evidence that uh, convinced me that uh, God exists and that Christianity is true. So I hope people can uh, come. And, and, and all these events are totally suited for a friend or neighbor or family member who, who's not a follower of Jesus. Well, I hope to see you this weekend. I think last time you were here, I was able to be with you, and I hope I uh, remember that. Hope yeah. I'll be able to cross paths with you this weekend as well. But uh, whether you're able to make it in person or not, I, I just encourage you get the book from Lee Strobel. Is God real? Um, read it. It'll encourage you. It'll build your faith, your confidence, and you can share it with others as well who may be struggling with these same questions. Uh, Lee Strobel, thank you for your time, my friend. Always a pleasure. Well, my pleasure as well, and uh, God bless you and all your listeners. Thank you.